Well, we are in a series called uh, Keeping the Christ in Christians, and uh, we are talking about uh, this idea that the as Christians, it can be a little frustrating for some of us if, you're, if you go to the store and it says happy holidays or whatever and you're thinking to yourself, um, you know, or someone might put Merry Xmas and then, then that, that's like, shouldn't we have Christ there? And so, you know, we, we wear stuff that says like he is the reason for the season and all these different things. And that's all great. And I don't put down anyone who says, I'm going to say Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays. I am down with that. Uh, absolutely. Go get it. But I'm more concerned with every party that you show up in, everywhere you go, that you bring Christ into the situation. So you're not dependent on a sign to bring Christ. <laughs> you're not dependent on Starbucks to say Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays. You're not dependent on those. You bring Jesus everywhere you go. That's the point of being a Christian. We become little Christ. And so uh, we talk about that. I got a little bit of grief. Um, you guys don't know about it and it was no one from this church. Uh, uh, but a uh, pastor being Santa. I mean, come on. You can rearrange Santa and it spells Satan. I was reminded of that. Um, you can rearrange God and it says dog. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, um, you I get it. I, I totally, I totally get it. Well, this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk about the gospel of Jesus and what it really means. And, and we all, if you've been a follower of Jesus for a while or you've been to church for a while, you kind of get the, the, the whole gospel of, you know, uh, Jesus, you're a sinner, Jesus died for your sins, um, you know, you accept what he did on the cross, and you make it to heaven, and that is important, and those things are all true. But there's something about the birth of Jesus, and how it went down, that I think gives us some deeper insight into what the gospel truly is. And uh, so we are looking for our glasses, here they are. And here's the point I want to make this morning, is that our greatest joys really come from our greatest risks. I don't know if you've noticed that before, but, um, you know, when we had our first child, um, it's a risk to have a baby. I mean, you, you have to, you know, who knows? Well, you know, that baby's going to disrupt everything you had going. My wife and I, I felt had a beautiful relationship and it was fine. She thought adding another individual to would make it even better. And I was like, well, okay. And so um, she convinced me. And so then we had our daughter and it was a risk for me because I liked going camping on the weekends and doing stuff because I'm really, I really care about myself. <laughs> and um, <laughs> And so, fortunately, I married. I wasn't a pastor back then, just so we're clear. Okay, I, I, I was barely a Christian. And, uh, and so, we have this baby, and it's like, I'm so glad I took that risk, right? Of course, I did, for the most part. And so, um, <laughs> so we have, she's here, so it's okay. It, it's all right. Um, and so is my third, so it took us three to get it right. Yay! Okay, uh, just playing. But this is the truth. So, so here's, the, here's some joys I will, never, I will never experience. The joy of jumping out of a plane. This is Lisa. This is after she landed safely on the ground where I was the entire time. 
safely on the ground. I'll never, unless a plane's on fire and I have to jump, I ain't jumping out of a perfectly good plane. I will never have the joy of putting a snake around my neck while holding one of our children. <laughs> okay? Apparently, uh, yeah, so, so that's it. I won't have the joy of a tattoo because I won't take the risk, because I don't trust my decision-making skills. I would get some, I know exactly what would happen. I'd get a tattoo. I'd think it was really cool. And in two weeks, the word, whatever word it is, just basically says, I'm a Nazi. I mean, it would just, it, culture would change, and I'd have it tattooed, and I'm like, ah, I can't have it. But my point this morning is that our greatest joys come from our greatest risks, right? So, we go ahead into this Christmas season and we look at the gospel and we look at Jesus and we look at how the people that Jesus used in the context that, that God chose to send his son down to save us, this context. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, I don't know if you live in a culture like this, but our government, governments sometimes can mandate things, okay? Now, you might be thinking to yourself as an American, red-blooded American, and how dare anybody tell me what to do? I get it. Good for you. Go get them. This was the context of Jesus' birth. And here's the mandate to Joseph and Mary. For some reason, unbeknownst to you, that has nothing to do with you, while you're pregnant, we want you to travel 85 miles on donkey from Nazareth to Bethlehem in order to just say, here, and then you go back home. Now, it would be great if Mary could say, nah, I'm not doing that. It'd be great if Joseph could say, no, nah, we're pregnant. We're gonna, where, where is my exemption? Uh-uh. Imagine God working in the midst of people in power making decisions for them. And yet God chooses this time. Of the entire Roman world, this was the first sentence. Uh, again, Luke, the way Luke writes his gospel, he did careful inquiry. So you'll see him explaining a lot of historical events so that you go, oh yeah. Like the people who would have read Luke at this point would go, oh, I remember that census. Yeah, everybody hated it. Yeah, I remember that. We had to go, I had to travel this far. I had to travel this far. Everybody knew about it. This was the first sentence, census that, whew, that took place while this dude was governor of Syria and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth, again, 85. We, say, uh, we would say down because it's south, but, it, but it's, they're going up the hill to Jerusalem and then down at Beth Bethlehem was just like five miles away. To Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him 
and was expecting their child. So as we talked about last week, remember Joseph was, was thinking he's gonna go ahead and just divorce her quietly, but an angel comes to Joseph and says, don't do that, and he's like, okay, I won't, and off, off they go. And we talked about this last week, and if you are struggling with what people think about you, Listen to last week's sermon. I don't usually say to listen to my sermons. I actually listen to all of them. I think we counted their 700 something. Uh, you should listen to every single one. He went there to register with Mary and she gave birth after 85 miles on a donkey. She gives birth to Jesus. She's not in her house. She has none of the comforts of home. She has none of her family members around. They were all going to different places. Remember, this is Joseph's, uh, the city of David in Bethlehem. This is Joseph's place. And she went along with him. So they are by themselves. And it's packed because everybody who left Bethlehem is now returning to Bethlehem. She gave birth to her first son, uh, firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room, no guest room available to them. So as you kind of read historically, we think of a stable oftentimes. If you have a, 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 a nativity scene, there's a, there's a stable and there's wise men. If you want to be historically accurate, you have your stable uh, okay, there and with Jesus and the shepherds and everything and then um, put your wise men in like the city of Orange because it's going to take them two years to get there, okay? So put them at a friend's house or whatever. He placed them in a manger because there was no room. So what was probably happening here was it was a house and what would happen in these Palestinian houses is that you'd have the house and then the animals would sleep underneath the house. So if you went to an inn or a house or someplace and you said, do you have any place to stay? They probably, probably said, no, but you can stay underneath the house in this little uh, place where they have the, the regardless, he was in a feeding trough. This is the gospel that for God so loved the world that he didn't use any of the world's systems to bring the gospel. He didn't do it any way like I would have done it. There's no, he didn't come at a time when there was social media. That would have been nice just to kind of have it. He didn't, th there was nothing. There was just Bethlehem, this tiny little place. How could the gospel possibly go out from this little tiny town with this couple who's by themselves under someone's house or if you want to go full on stable, you, that's fine. How is that possible? And then it goes one step farther and this is what I want you to take away hopefully this morning. And there were shepherds. Now, if you were reading this for the first time, not in our kind of whitewashed Christmas, shepherds were day laborers. It was the poor. They were the marginalized. They weren't allowed in the temple because of their uncleanliness. They had to go through all this process just to be able to worship with everyone else. They were looked down upon. They were dirty. They were the people, they were the uneducated. They were the people that you'd pass on the street and just go, mm, 
They should probably pull themselves up from their bootstraps or whatever we use. They were the poor. The gospel first came to the poor. The gospel first came to the marginalized. The gospel first came to other. I love the way it's, there's this juxtaposition of Rome with power and roads that they're building. There was an altar in Rome called Pax Augustus, which is basically Augustine peace. And the idea that this, this government, this, these people in power were going to create this time of peace because we're in Roman-controlled world. And so you, every place you see, there's Roman guards, there's the military, there's everything, this idea of peace. And your heavenly father goes, oh, that's not peace. That's not peace at all. As a matter of fact, the elites, if you could get into their minds and into their hearts, there's no peace oftentimes. And you and I know this because we do have social media and we do have access to all this information. But if I just picked any famous person in the world, just anybody, I'm not even going to name someone, you think of your favorite person. And I told you, oh, they got caught for embezzling money and cheating on their spouse. The very first thing that would enter your mind is, oh, yeah, <laughs> right? You wouldn't go, are you kidding me? A person in power abused their power? What? That's weird. Has that ever happened before? All the time. So shepherds were living, uh, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel does not appear to Caesar, does not appear to whoever the best business person was, does not appear to the best public speaker, he appears to them in the glory of the Lord shone all around and they were terrified as I would be of jumping out of a plane or touching a snake or even looking at a snake for that matter. But all these things, I would be terrified as well. And yet, our greatest joys often come from our greatest risks of going, I wonder I wonder. So they were terrified, but the angel said to them, as we've mentioned very much uh, in the past, what, is, what do you learn in angel school? First time you see a human, you say, do not be afraid because you're frightening. An angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Everybody's included in the gospel. Your gender has no, it doesn't care. Your ethnicity, the gospel doesn't even look at that. Your status in society, the gospel does not care. As a matter of fact, the gospel shares some troubling things oftentimes in the Bible that if you, become, if you be, keep becoming more and more uh, successful, it's more difficult for you to enter into the kingdom of God. Not necessarily heaven, but just to experience the peace and the joy of what it means to be completely surrendered to Jesus. It's for all the people. I wonder in, you know, as I go through the week, 
and I look through the news or through what's going on in society and all those things. I wonder if I could remove the labels that we have, political parties, ethnicities, all these different things. If I could remove them and say, that person, Jesus died for that person. Even the people in power, even the people who are annoying to you, the other. The gospel comes to all people, every single person on the planet. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. In other words, God is saying, would you like to have peace? Would you like to have joy? Would you like to have a life that isn't focused on just you? There's someone that takes that place, a savior, a Messiah. But it's going to cost you becoming humble, which marginalized people already have. And so Jesus comes through God's divine omnipotence and says, you know, the best people I could give as an example of who's ready to hear the gospel would be the poor. And so they come to the shepherds. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger, lying in a place where the animals are kept. And then, so that, you know, you can imagine you're a shepherd and you're like, oh man, you know, you're out there. I don't know what shepherds do at night and look at the stars or maybe try to get to sleep. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared to, but with the angel. God is wasting this. If you had to have a company of the angels, don't you want to post that on social media? Don't you want to have like a million likes? Like wouldn't you wait until film was invented? I would if I were God. He takes the company of angels, one of the greatest events in history, and he wastes the opportunity on the poor, on the marginalized. Do you know that shepherds, their testimony wasn't even allowed in court. God wastes this event. He takes all these angels. I mean, if he were in a staff meeting with me, and we'd say, hey, we're going to launch this event, I, I would get my calendar out. I'd go through, well, we don't want to do the summertime because everyone's on vacation. Ah, we don't want to do this. Okay, hey, what about back to school? Everyone kind of goes back. And we'd have this whole thing. And God, God goes like this. Okay, I'm going to have this huge event. Probably one of the biggest events ever, like as using angels. And uh, uh, let's see, who should we get? Let's pick the people that nobody listens to. Yeah. See your heavenly father going, yeah, that, those people. I love those people. Let's get shepherds. Great idea. Whose idea was that? Gabriel's like, oh, shucks, you know. Anyway, anyway, I don't know whose idea it was. Great company of hosts uh, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. One of the reasons why I have no problem preaching the gospel to anybody I talk to is that I know unless it's Jesus, you can go after a career, 
You can go after your workout every day. You can do everything all along the systems of our culture. Our culture says success, 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 success. But why is there no peace? That's what Jesus brings. See, Jesus brings perspective. of like, you know what? Even if he doesn't move, he's still good. Even if events happen outside of my control, the, they, the shepherds didn't win the lottery today in this text. They didn't get promoted. That none of the things that we would call like, hey, this is really great stuff, happened to them. And yet God takes all these angels, a great company. I don't know how many that is. Probably should have gotten a higher degree in seminary. But it's a company. There's a lot of them. And they all start singing this. And they sing it to people who have uh, no voice. This is the heart of your heavenly father. Peace to the marginalized. Peace to those who are struggling. And then they leave. <laughs> when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, which just must, again, really? He had to do it back then when I don't have a video? The shepherds said to one another, hey, let's go to Bethlehem. Let me tell you the risk this was. Shepherds don't leave sheep. They don't. If angel school, the number one thing you learn in angel school is when you show up to a human, say, do not be afraid. In shepherd school, the number one thing is no matter what happens, protect those sheep. Most scholars believe the sheep that they were taking care of were the ones that were used in the sacrifice in the temple that they weren't even allowed to go into. And they leave. Which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Now, you know, I, I tend to read a lot into the Bible. I love the Bible. I, like I say every week, you got to read your Bible. There's so much great stuff in there. But if you could think about Mary and Joseph. Okay, first of all, they had, they, they had no choice but to leave their family to have this baby. 85 miles on a donkey. So they're exhausted. They're exhausted. And they've each had an angel talk to them. So they're relatively sure that this is the Messiah. And yet they have to go through the reality of on the donkey going, okay, they have 85 miles. I don't know if you've ever traveled. When my wife and I travel, we spend the entire time talking. So I'm just assuming that they're just like me and Lise. And so, uh, you know, they're driving along, you know, and or I don't know how you ride a donkey. I'm sorry. I didn't have much time this week to research it, but whatever, you're riding your donkey. And then, you know, maybe mile 40, 50, Mary probably said, hey, Joe, 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 what, what, uh, what, what did the angel say to you? Because this doesn't feel right. <laughs> like it's the Messiah. Shouldn't there be something else? And so they make it. They have a baby. No, no epidural, no nothing. Just a baby like they did. And she has this baby. And when they had seen him, they spread the word. Mary has this baby and they say, you've got visitors. And she's like, is it Caesar? Is it, is it somebody wealthy? 
Well, wise men, they're wealthy. They don't show up till much, much later. No, it's shepherds. Okay, wait. We came from Nazareth. We were fine there. We already had the issue of the marriage thing, and no one believes that I was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we drive, ride on a donkey. We have this baby. It's in a manger. And the first people that come to see us are shepherds. They felt the same way about shepherds as everybody did. They spread the word, a word that would be hard for people to receive because it came from shepherds. What had been told them about the child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. You know, you look at that and you think, well, if you couldn't hear their voice or if their voice wasn't acknowledged, why would people be amazed when they hear it? Because shepherds wouldn't do this. It's almost like you'd think, wow, what? They're all agree, like they're all telling the same story. And here's what I believe. I believe that those who were humble enough to be able to hear this story and go, you know what? We do need a Messiah. This might be it. They start to get this idea of hope. This is why we light candles of peace, of hope of love and of joy. That is the gospel. And if you have it all together and you're highly educated and you're making pretty good money, it's really hard to hear that the whole system you've based your life on doesn't work. It just brings more stress, more turmoil. So they go out and they spread and watch what happens to Mary. But Mary treasured up all these things the, this greek word for treasured means she she brought them all close together if you've ever seen anyone who has a um a hobby or a collection does anybody here collect things i don't know if you uh, you can go ahead and raise your hand if you got, yeah okay you, yeah you collect things all right so uh uh, I, well, you collect debt, so you don't count. But uh, you, collect, you collect these things, right? And so you get them, and what do you do? You look at them, and you get them all together, and this is your collection. Mary said, okay, I got, the angel visited me. I've got that. I know that for a fact. We had this wacky consensus. I don't know what that is, or census. Uh, you, you spoke to Joseph. Now these Shepherds show up and they saw angels, a whole company of them. And so she, she treasures them up. She lines them all up. She gets them all together and she ponders them. Pondering just means she's having this internal dialogue of like, none of this makes any sense. This is my relationship with Jesus. I treasure all these things I've seen him do in my life and the things I've seen him do in other people's lives and I ponder them and I go it is amazing to me to see the transformation in people's lives who get the gospel who realize you know what this idea of Jesus coming and dying for my sins resonates with me and I don't understand but I'm going to treasure these things and I'm going to ponder them and begin this journey that's why we're so excited in the middle of January when we start this series called one inch closer 
I can't decide whether I want to call it one step closer, closer or one inch closer. I'm totally up for suggestions. You can tell me what, which one you like better. I like one inch, but uh, my friend preached a sermon called One Inch Closer, and he's going to think I stole it from him, which I probably did. She treasures these things, but the, sh uh, the shepherds returned back to their job, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. The marginalized were visited first by God. This is not foreign to the gospel at all. As a matter of fact, throughout scripture, the culture, especially, well, Israel was judged harshest for how it handled the poor. Because what ended up happening was as their culture progressed and as they began to be wealthy, they began to follow other gods. Gods of fertility, gods of uh, good fortune, gods that took care of the, the uh, harvest and all these things. And over and over, God had to say, you're missing it, you're missing it, you're missing it. Humble yourself, humble yourself. So they come back and they're just like, can you imagine? They would never be included. Why weren't they in the census? Because they didn't count. Culture says we want to count everybody. Everybody go to your town. What about the shepherds? Now they can stay out in the fields. That's culture. The kingdom of God says where are the shepherds? Where are the marginalized? Where are the ones people forgot? That's the gospel. I return praising God what have they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. The gospel came to the poor, and it still does. Now you might say, John, I'm actually doing pretty well in life. I, have, I drive a Tesla and, you know, all these things. You can still be poor. Don't worry. <laughs> Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those people who say, hey, I've been blessed with all this. I've been blessed with an education. I've been blessed with finances. I've been blessed with this, this, this life, this awesome life, to which God says, you've been a steward now. What are you going to do with your blessing? How are you going to spend your money? How are you going to spend your time? Is it always going to be about you? Or are you going to take the gospel that you have, that you have been so richly blessed by, and share it with those around you? What? One of the things I am so proud of this church over the 16 years I've been here is you get this. Basically preaching to the choir. But there's some people online that need to hear it. No, I'm joking. I'm just kidding. Here's the way Paul puts it. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? I could ask myself the same question. Where are they? Are they on Twitter? Do they have a blog? Are they on one of the cable news channels? Like, where, where are the really smart people? Because one of the problems with getting older, this is just one of the issues they don't talk about too much, you've just seen too many people fail. All the smart people you thought were really smart, then you're like, oh gosh, what happened to them? Oh, I thought they were really smart. I, I followed them for, and then you know, you see a politician. That politician, I know for a fact, cares about the people. You're like, well, they embezzled what? Oh, they cheated on who? 
right? Where is the wise man of this, of this age? And you could take that age that Paul's in and you could just put it in every single age since. Where are they? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not even know him. God was pleased through the foolishness to take a whole company of angels and waste it on the poor, the outcasts and the marginalized. What a waste. Angels trying to teach them all how to get there by the same time and all those things. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. We preach a baby came who is God in a bod, essentially. That doesn't make any sense. God comes down in the form of a baby. I mean, at least come down ripped, you know, like all shredded and like a hammer and a, I mean, some of the Greek gods, I, I can understand why you'd believe in those gods. A baby? We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, poor and rich, male and female, White, black, Asian, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. That is the gospel. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Broken downtrodden that time when you went and you said you know what and maybe for you for me it was different i i when i was i forget how old i was when i first came to christ i actually walked down an aisle and i accepted christ and then i accepted christ like like 16 more times <laughs> i don't know which one took one of them did i promise all right brothers and sisters think of who you were when you were called have you lost that sense of, I need a savior? Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose you. He chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world, the shepherds, the poor, the day laborers, those who don't have all the credentials in order to be the parts of society that we find okay. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God wasted a company of angels on people who look nothing like those in power. God wasted angels on people who weren't elite. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, redemption. As the worship band comes back up. Therefore it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That's it. That's all I got. 
Because I can have a bigger church and boast in that, but I know people with bigger churches. That doesn't satisfy. I could be wealthier. Ooh, that would be good. I really do want a Tesla, okay? At some point, I don't know when, I'll probably be 80. But it'll self-drive, so I'll be safe. And, right, I, I, could, I could get for more wealth, except I know people who have more wealth, and they don't have what I have. I could get my PhD, and maybe, you know, like really get it, but I know scholars, really good ones. They're not that happy. I, I, I'd love freedom. I'd love the freedom to be able to do what I do, just to have time to just kind of, but I know people with a lot of time. They're not that happy. I know people who follow Jesus. I know poor people, rich people, middle class people. I know people from every paint job you could have that know Jesus. That's what I want. That's the wisdom of God. So here's the question for you. What is God asking you to risk today? What is he asking you to risk in order to humble yourself to follow him? Maybe for you, you've heard my message of the gospel all these years, and maybe you're watching online, and you're just new, back new to the gospel, or new to church, or new to the Bible, and you've missed this part about being lowly and coming before and going to your heavenly Father and saying, I got nothing. I've tried, I've worked, I've worked, I've worked, I've worked. I thought getting married would help. I thought having kids would help. I thought getting promoted would help and nothing. And God would call you back to your roots to say I'm nothing. So here's what we're gonna do this morning. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. Um, it's a prayer that anyone can pray at any time. And it's just the beginning step of saying, you know what? I wanna become a follower of Jesus in your context. He doesn't ask the rich person to take their entire, well, he did one time. I guess that was, a, okay. He might, okay. He might ask you to sell everything, give it to the poor. But in most cases, he doesn't. What he's asking you to do is reshift the way you see the world, the way you see the kingdom. And so it starts with a prayer of just a prayer of surrender. So I'm going to lead us all in this prayer. And maybe you've prayed this prayer before. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're watching online. You're like, oh, I, I think I know the prayer he's going to pray. Great. That's good. But it's just this beginning step of saying, I'm not going to be concerned about how the elites run our culture. I'm totally under another thing of authority. So here's how it goes. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to all people. Thank you for coming for me, for loving me and all my faults and all my sin and all my insecurity. God, I pray for salvation. I pray to begin this relationship with you. If I've turned from you, Lord, I want to turn back. If I've never accepted you as my Savior, as my Lord, as my King, as a shift in life and perspective, I do that now. Thank you, God, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If this was the first time you've ever prayed that, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We're glad you're here. This is just the beginning 
just the beginning. You've begun a step in the right direction. If you've prayed this before and you're like, ah, I feel like I've prayed that prayer, you know, 14 times. Your pastor prayed it 16 times. You got two more to go in your back pocket. We're more concerned for your next step. And so if you've done that, we ask you to fill out a connection card and just say, I, I prayed that prayer. Or, uh, and someone here will give you a call, contact you, see what your next steps would be and how to move forward. We're going to end with a couple more songs and, uh, and then I'll come up and give the blessing. But um, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you that you are accessible to everybody, every language. The fact that completion looks like every tie, tribe, tongue, people, nation, all together on the right page. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. If you can, go ahead and stand for the blessing. And now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in his joy, in his strength, in his peace, and in his humility. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday. Merry Christmas.